1: Will the Rockets change under new ownership? Can the Bucks get back into contention in the East? What does the average NBA player look like? The only question left is, say it with me, you win? Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on the show today, as always, Dave Dufour, Dave, uh, we missed yesterday's Labor Day, but obviously I'm sure everyone else is busy in the pool and whatnot, uh, and we're too busy listening to our podcast anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I was too busy uh, relaxing, watching Netflix.
1: I I played tennis, and I had played tennis a few weeks ago, and it was fine, and I I played yesterday, and I was really rusty playing singles and was screaming and yelling on the court, and... um, you know, just I'm, I'm kind of ashamed of myself now for doing all the things that I shouldn't be doing out there. And it didn't help me, by the way. Yelling and screaming did not help my tennis game at all.
0: I'm shocked. I'm shocked. You know, like when coaches yell, yell at players, it always helps, right? So. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. But it's, it's like, shocked. you know, I'm much better when I don't hit the ball in the net on like winners that should be winners for me. Like a, a nice serve and a the ball, I just finish the point and I'm like just missing every one of those shots. And I just, after like about eight or nine of them, I just couldn't take it anymore.
0: <laughs> well, the, the real question is, when are we going to start tennis breakdown? That's
1: Yeah, uh, I would love to do that. I mean, we could do all <laughs> sorts of fun stuff with that. So speaking of the U.S. Open as well, going full, full bore, uh, I'll check some of that out. But uh, we're talking about basketball. And um, we are in the dregs of the season right now, or the non-season, if you will. Um, the only news I think we can even talk about is news is that the Rockets were sold to somebody else that's really rich in Houston.
0: That's right. Uh, Tillman Fertitta bought bought the Rockets for a record two point two billion dollars, and you know um, that's the number four media market in America, Houston. You know Houston, and uh, not to mention how popular they are in China. I have to think that this guy got a got a deal at two point two billion dollars, right? Like the team may may very well be worth three and a half, right? But I mean, I guess you you get what the market dictates. Um, so yeah. Uh, I guess, congratulations to Tillman yeah. Fertitta, You know, um,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like he spent that much money. He probably right. put, you know, yeah. 20% down, or whatever.
0: And they've got a group uh, yep. of some sort. I know that there was, they were trying to get Beyonce, they were trying to get Yao Ming involved. Um, so, you know, what, we'll see what that group looks like. Do
1: you know what Tillman Fertita did to make all his money?
0: Well, hang on. Is he not one of the Fertittas that, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the Fertitta brothers. So they used to own the UFC. Oh, okay. Right? I don't, um, I'm just asking. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm now Googling it. Yeah, right. We, we could have done like, this ahead of time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, he's an American businessman and per- television personality. Uh, Landry's, Inc., one of the largest restaurant oh. corporations in the United States. So, um, and, and Wikipedia has already updated his page to say that he uh, purchased it. So, uh, okay, so that's good to know. So he, he knows how to manage uh, restaurants, and that, that could very well
0: help uh, the the service industry. There's a lot of Rich Fertittas out there, because he's actually not one of the Fertitta brothers that, that own the UFC. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. all right, well... Um,
1: Anyhow, well, good for them. I, you know, I was kind of asking you earlier if you think that uh, that means that Daryl Morey's job is potentially in jeopardy, because obviously Les Alexander, the previous owner, uh, was all in on on Morey, and uh, he had to complete another uh, job um, What's it called when you have job um, security? Security. Thank you. Yeah. So what do you think about now?
0: Um, you know, I, I actually Actually, he is one of the Fertitta brothers, sorry. There you go, because he was uh, a shareholder of the Golden Nugget Hotel. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I think he's safe. I, I don't think a, a, a new owner comes in, buys a team, and and says, you know what, uh, the the second winningest franchise in the last you know ten years or whatever, which is since Daryl's been there. Uh, yeah, let's fire the GM. That you know what I mean. Like, oh, and, Darryl, and I don't even mean like now. I'm just thinking like you know. Like is he gonna have a shorter leash? No, I don't think so. I, I think I think Daryl Morey is the kind of guy. I think he could be the the Houston GM for the rest of his the time that he wants to be the Houston GM. Okay. Um, I, I actually, you know, I think he wants to own a team, and I think I think I want to say he was involved. And I don't know this for sure, but you know, I heard rumors that he was actually involved trying to get a group together to purchase the Rockets. Um, but you know you need huh. at least a billion dollars to, to get to the table on that. So um, it didn't happen. But, yeah, I uh, I think he's fine. I mean, he's he's probably the best GM in basketball. I can't imagine, you know, letting that guy go. I mean, if you look at the job he's done in the last 10 years, you know, when he took over, it was Yao and Tracy McGrady, and, of course, they got hurt. And he, he pieced together this team that that really pushed the Lakers yeah. uh, you know, to, to – I mean, L- literally he, they, they and physically. Uh, right.
1: Literally, whatever yeah, that we yeah. want to call it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'll never forget that the Ron Artest, uh, you know, he, he just had something that he had to tell Kobe, and he had to make sure that Kobe was listening.
0: That's right. Yeah. But also, I mean, you know, like Daryl Morey, like, like finding Chuck Hayes, right? Like that's the kind of thing that Daryl Morey was able to do back in the day. And nowadays, it's a little bit more difficult because everyone's kind of, you know, following the same playbooks. But... I just think that when you look at his track record, I mean, he, he engineered the James Harden trade. They never tanked. They never have gone below 500. Yeah. uh, You know, he signed Dwight Howard, which whether it worked out or not is debatable, but still signing a superstar is, is a big deal. Um, and then, you know, getting Chris Paul. And yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, he's probably been the most successful GM that we've had since he's been a GM. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to be fine.
1: All right. Well, cool. good to know. Um, you know, if, let's
0: it. put it this way: if if I was a part of the group buying the Houston Rockets, I would look at Daryl Morey as part of the asset package. For sure. For sure. So,
1: now, do you think that the the Carmelo to the Houston thing is completely dead?
0: Um, according to my sources, no, it's not dead. Okay, we have a we have a quote for Twitter. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, according to my sources, no, it's not dead. But then again, like, I think, I think, right, nothing's ever dead. I think, I think the, you know, if we could talk about Melo for a minute, we haven't heard anything in the last two weeks, right? Like, we haven't heard any news. Um, today, something popped up about Milwaukee as a potential third team involving uh, Jabari Parker. And, you know, I, I think Jabari Parker's value is, is just nothing right now. That's too bad. He's got value. So good. I know. Well, to us, he has value, and he has value theoretically, but we don't know how he's going to bounce back from that second knee surgery. Well, remind me, is it the same knee? It's the same knee. Yeah, and that's problematic because he's also, you know, I think he relies on his athleticism more than we think, because he's not really a great shooter. Now, if he comes back and he's a better shooter, then then maybe like if he does take a, a step back in athleticism, he can even be a better player because of the improved shooting I, that was like his big thing like he could be a great stretch four but he's got to be able to hit threes. I mean he, he, you know coming into the league, I actually compared him to Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony because he was great at getting buckets yeah um, not in the way that Carmelo I mean Carmelo is like a, a generational talent like there's a chance Carmelo is the greatest individual scorer of all time. I mean he's just so good at getting at getting points. Now, whether he's, you know, like he's not a thirty-five point a game guy, but there's there's a difference, um, in in what I'm saying and, and like Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, but I just think Carmelo's skill is just so incredible at, at scoring a basketball. And so I, I compared Jabari to him quite a bit, but I thought Jabari had a chance to to be a more athletic version of that, but he needed to work on his on his jump shot. So, you know, if he comes back and he can shoot then that's great but again it's a big if and he's going to be a restricted free agent next summer so you're going to have to pay him and i just think that his value is is, his trade value has got to be super low it doesn't mean he can't help a team it doesn't mean that that the bucks should necessarily go ahead and trade him Um, but i think they're going to need him to come back and play a little bit and and kind of demonstrate that he's back and you know how the acl is
1: what are the bucks looking for
0: um, this deal, I, you know, I got to think they're looking for a point guard. I got to think they're looking for somebody that can come and play the one either next to Brogdon so he can slide over a little bit or behind Brogdon. I don't even know if they want to start Brogdon. Uh, um, you know, they, they brought him off the bench last year for a while. And then when they started him was really when things took off. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you and I, I think, are on the same page here that they should start Brogdon
1: right? Absolutely. They sharp rocked in and let Del Vidova come off the bench is, is fine. That, that works, which is why I'm like, well, they need another point guard there. Um, you know, and they had Middleton to start alongside him. So, you know, I, I guess you're talking about uh, like, wait, uh, who else is still there off the bench for them uh, as a guard?
0: Well, they've got Della Vidova. They've got, um, to
1: Jason Terry. Am I crazy?
0: Well, I think, I don't is know if they're bringing good? him back, but they've got Tony right. Snell.
1: Yeah, we've just been waiting for him to kind of take a step, and it doesn't seem well, I like think Tony
0: Snell was pretty good last year. You know, he's he's shooting. What did he shoot last year? He shot pretty well last year. Um, yeah, well, he shot. Yeah, he shot forty one percent for three for four attempts, yeah. which is good. Yeah, um, and he's he's all arms. And so, like, he kind of fits their defensive scheme. He fits a lot. I, I think that Tony Snell is a good player for them. That's why they gave him $13 million um, yeah. a year. And, and so, you know, I like their three-guard rotation of Brogdon, Snell, and Middleton. Um, the issue comes when you get to that 3-4 spot. And, yeah. you, you know, I, I'd rather – it's tricky because Giannis could play three four five. I mean, he's the nominal one on offense, but on defense he's guarding threes and fours. Um, you know, i think that going into this year they're probably gonna look to start I would say Brogdon. if it was me, I'd go Brogdon, Snell, Middleton, Giannis, Thon Maker. Okay. Yes.
1: Super switchy.
0: Super switchy, super long. Uh everyone can shoot except for Giannis. I think that that's I think that'd be pretty good. Um but then your bench is just I don't know, man. It's kind of a train wreck. Uh De Vidova, who Really looked bad last year, Um, Uh, and then Greg Monroe off the bench, right? And he was great coming off the bench in the playoffs last year. You know, I I thought that that role really suited him very well. Um, They did sign Gary Payton uh, the second. Yeah, Uh, they still got John Henson, uh, Rashad Vaughn, who hasn't shown me much. Uh, uh, Toledovich, who you know is a useful player, Um, and they got a rookie that i really like sterling brown i think he's a he's another one of those like bucket getter types and and i think that he you know he he may play a little bit this year and at least in garbage time um maybe to the tune of like 8 minutes a game or something and but that's that's important you know you need those guys to help fill that out cuz you need to sneak rest for your for your main guys when you can find it and if he turns into a good player then you know you hit on somebody in the second round and that's the difference between you know, mediocre and good in the, in the NBA, you know, is hitting on second rounders.
1: Right. And, you know, the, the John Henson conundrum is just really, you know, I don't know exactly what happened because for the first half of the year, he was playing and he was starting and it was, everything was okay. And then he just dropped off the face of the earth and, you know, was getting – was just inactive, did not play. Uh, it, it, only in the last – you know, in, in the playoff, the last couple of games of the season, they, like, threw him out there. Uh, and then he played a couple of last games against Toronto. That's it. It's like – I think he's really viable. I, what I had seen of him over, over his career was good. And I, I just can't figure out exactly what happened to him. Yeah,
0: you know, they, they don't run a lot of stuff for guys hanging out in the dunker spot. Yeah. That's that's one thing. So like they don't really utilize one of his better skills. They could have him, you know, in the pick and roll as the, as a roll man, um, but he can't really shoot, and I think that that just hurts them. They, you know because they need to play Giannis, yeah, and you need to have some shooters out there, or you need to, like Greg Monroe can play with Giannis because Greg Monroe can get a bucket, um, but I don't think uh, John Henson's not. I almost called him Jan Henson. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think John Henson is the kind of guy you can just say, hey, here's the bat, here's the basketball, get us a bucket. Uh, that that,
1: yeah that 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 is true you cannot do that uh but you know he's so long and so you know uh valuable on defense you let him play the five i guess in small ball and uh you know let him just pick and roll rim runs do that whole thing that that should work for him but again you're talking about that's that's his 12 minutes a game or something
0: yeah it's i don't know man it's so tricky um Uh, The whole thing is, it's sort of like with Deadman last year with the Spurs, where we didn't know, like, why isn't he playing? Jonathan Simmons during the regular season, Deadman during the playoffs. And it it could be something like that. There's a behind the scenes issue that we don't know about. But man, I can't believe that we just talked to Bucks Bucks. for like five minutes. Yeah, uh, that was unexpected. (laughs) In September.
1: All right. And speaking of that, I'm reminded that football season is back, which means. FanDuel is ready to make each week even more exciting, with a chance to cheer for your favorite players and win money doing it. Over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. And you can join their ranks by heading over to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code COACHNICK, all one word. This allows you to try FanDuel for free with no deposit required and get in on a chance to win $10,000. There is something for everyone on FanDuel. Lots of contests to choose from. So sign up now at FanDuel.com, use my code COACHNICK, and get your first free contest. Void where prohibited. Well, you know, this is as good a time as any to, to kind of lead into the video I'm working on this week and which should drop tomorrow, I hope. Um, and I have my buddy Arturo Galletti uh, break down a serious spreadsheet of all the players from last year. And I said, hey, can you tell us? And this is a reprise of a video I did two seasons ago that did really, really well, which would be which was uh, who is the average NBA player at each position? And so I had Arturo uh, calculate, well, what is the average production from each position? And then who is closest to that average production? And it was really fascinating. It's a really interesting thing when you start factoring in a lot of things about, you know, uh, A, what is the average? And should you be shitting on a player if he's close to the average? Right. Right. You know, and then, B, what's, what is his salary compared to the average salary of that position? Because I think that's really what's fascinating about it, right, is that, is that uh, you know, maybe you're getting a really great deal even though he's not giving you huge numbers.
0: Right, bang for your buck. And it, and it matters when you're in a salary cap league. I mean, if you can get a guy who's making seven – like, look at uh, Isaiah Thomas. He had one of the greatest seasons in NBA history last year offensively, and he was making like $6.5 million, which has got to be the best production per dollar. Possibly, well, not ever because obviously, guy, you know. But if you adjust for inflation and all yeah. that, just for salary cap or percentage of the salary cap, it has to be one of the the most like production per dollar has got to be the highest of all of all right. time. Wait, wait, what was he making last year? Like six point seven or something like that. Is that and and well, geez, it's that? he's making a low amount and was on a decreasing deal. That's why that that contract was amazing. And well, so for some, uh, not for him. No, not for him, but he did sign it. So, um, yeah, so when you look at something like that, and that's that's one of the fascinating things when you when you told me about this, I, I was I was really intrigued by it. And then when you told me some of the names, I just felt like, and and I guess you're gonna you're gonna say them. It's funny how a lot of these guys that are literally the league average for production, for starters, we look at as below average players, which just tells you how biased we are toward, They're really great players. You know, when you see a Kevin Durant at small forward, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that, you know, who was the average? Well, I'll let you go through the list and and people can kind of judge for themselves. But
1: all right. Well, we have. okay at point guard, starting on our all average NBA team. And there are some caveats. You had to play at least 1500 regular season minutes. Uh, which to me was sort of like you know seventy games and about twenty minutes per game minimum. That kind of gets you to some amount where you're not just some you know guy who barely plays. So we 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 eliminated some of those players didn't play very much, and so we got from the point guard position Jeff Teague, which is yeah about right right, uh yeah yeah I mean yeah. Do want, let's I mean, go through he, his numbers. He's... Uh, and we he did them through per forty eight, so they can normalize across the board, which makes sense to me. But uh, you know, actually, let's do it by by per game, so people can kind of grasp it a little bit better. You know, I think uh, auditorially with their eye, their ears. So if we have to call, quickly call up Jeff Teague's numbers per game, he um, Jeff Teague averaged last year fifteen points a game, seven point eight assists, one point two steals. Uh, let's see, four rebounds, and he shot. 44 44 percent from the field and the 36 percent from three so yeah it's probably about your average starting point guard
0: yeah it, it when you said it to me originally I, I was just like yeah it felt right that feels about right which is why you know his signing didn't really move the needle for me i'm, I'm curious how rubio compared to him as far as you know in the rankings um when working out, if he was average or below average,
1: he doesn't bubble up in my list of people who were close. But would you like to hear some of the other people on that list? Yeah,
0: yeah, let's hear it.
1: So, so what I, Arturo did, you know, as he was teasing out who was closest, you do, I do have a list of people who were in that in that range, but not quite as close as Jeff Teague. So, from the point guard position, we have guys like, oh, I just had a a, a, a tab take over my screen here. Uh, here we go. It was the let's see the first guy I see here from the number one position would be George Hill. Okay, and remember this is his production from last year only. Right. Uh, Ty Lawson, which is I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to quickly call that up because I feel like uh, I, I lost track of Ty a little bit last year, what, how well he was doing or not. But um, you know, with Sacramento, he averaged you know nine point nine points. Um, 4.8 assists, one steal, um, 45%. Now, just to give you some context here, I can tell you what the now the average is. I can tell you the average is per 48, but that might be a little bit weird. But if you, you want you want to hear him? Yeah. So uh, it's going to be. Let's see if I can do this quickly. But the average. So points per 48 for the uh, point guard is. Let me see if I can scroll here and find it in this weird order. Uh, here it is, is 24.1 points per 48 from the point guard position, which is the highest of any of the five positions. Wow. Right? Now that kind of gives yeah. you some insight, right? In terms of, um, you know, where the league is going.
0: Right. It, it definitely. For sure.
1: So. Crazy. Yeah. So that was that. And then if you want to know the assists per 48. The average for a point guard is 8.7 per 48, which probably translates, you know, to a per game thing of like, you know, seven. I, I should, I need to flip these numbers a little bit, but, you know, seven yeah, something. So if you have a point guard. would be better. What's that?
0: Yeah, per 36 would be better. It
1: would be better. Well, duly noted, we'll have to change these things, uh, <laughs> you know. It would be hard, but whatever. I don't know how to do, you know, those damn, uh, pro. Uh, what's it called, uh, in um, Excel, you to know, do all the, uh, the different formulas. I don't know how to do that. Anyway. But, um, okay, so we move on to the uh, – oh, let's get a couple more people from the point guard position that uh, popped up here that were nearby. Uh, Corey Joseph. That makes okay. sense to me. Now, here's one
0: what's that? Corey Joseph wasn't a starter. I uh, guess
1: – We opened it up to 1,500 minutes. Oh, so that's, okay. Yeah, okay. So that's I why. I see. Because um, neither was uh, Ty Lawson, I don't think, was starting, right. was he?
0: Yeah. No, he was not.
1: Um So he started 24 games, Cy Lawson did. But anyway, uh, so Goran Dragic makes this list, which is pretty interesting. He's at the very bottom of the closest to average. Mm. Which I thought was a little bit interesting, and remember, there's yeah. a lot of factors. We're talking about all the different uh, stats, so right. certain things get weighed, you know, and, and keep you down or up. But you know, because he he did average 20 points a game in 33 minutes, and but you know, five point eight assists, which is probably a little bit below average per game for an average starter for an average point guard. So you know, interesting, huh?
0: Yeah, that's I, yeah, definitely
1: you ready for the next position. Yes, okay, shooting guard. We
0: had Victor Oladipo. That was insane to me. Why? It's just crazy. I, I really – in my head, Victor Oladipo is a below-average starter. But I guess – I guess that – I mean, it's right. Um, you know, I, I'll trust the numbers there. But
1: Yeah. Well, you know, he did have one of his better years where he averaged 16 points a game. Uh, although it was funny because I feel like he was better um, – for much of this season and then it tailed off right am i crazy about that
0: uh yeah he did but remember he had the the wrist injury so maybe he would have actually been an above average player if, if not for that
1: yeah my memory of it was the first at least half of the season with playing alongside russ like he was on pace to have like his best year ever as a pro and these numbers you know don't bear that out any uh, now um but you know 16 points 2.6 assists and 4.3 rebounds uh, you know, the thing that's interesting about this as well is that you'll, you will have your stars at the shooting guard position and, like, you might have, like, four or five guys who are just producing all over the place and then it just drops off. So when you look at, you know, the other 50 or 40 guards, you know, shooting guards in that, in that pile, like, that, that average will slowly go down a little bit, which kind of makes sense to me. So, um, but that was interesting. Yeah, the Victor Oladipo ended up being exactly average, but, you know, you couldn't argue that his salary is in line with that.
0: Uh right because he's making like twenty one million dollars oh. and that's
1: yes you know I'm on there. wait am I on wait wait a minute sorry because I just went on Oladipo's page
0: well last season he oh, was yes. last season when he was on his rookie deal but he just uh you know the rookie his extension just kicked in yeah had, right that's
1: what I was thinking yeah. okay yeah he goes to twenty one million so the thing though is um is that you know he was only paid six and a half million dollars for last year so that's that's fine that's good. Because that's the production he gave you, but now we're looking forward into next year. Is he going to make any near of a jump that's going to get him enough where it's going to be in line? Probably, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Um, I would doubt it, but he will have the ball in his hands more. Yeah, he will. He will have probably a higher usage rate. Um, so, if we're just looking at raw numbers like points per game and assists and stuff like that, I mean, he should have more opportunity. Sure. Um, so I guess there's a chance based on those kind of numbers. Now, I don't expect his efficiency to go up, but right. I don't think that that's, that's the point of the exercise.
1: Yeah, I, I bet you he'll get to 20 points and um, six
0: assists. Ooh. That's so, and I, interesting. That's just
1: primarily from usage, I bet. Like, Yeah, yeah,
0: it may be. I mean, yeah. I, we'll, I guess we'll see. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I don't trust him handling the ball in the pick and roll. So I don't know where his opportunities are going to come, yeah. like, for good shots. Let's put it that way.
1: Fair enough. Well, here are some other um, guys who were at the, uh, the two-guard position that, that were bubbling up to the surface here. Gerald Henderson.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, that, that sounds right.
1: That's good. He was, he was very close to being the, the deviation there that would have been you know, closer than Oladipo. But uh, that's really good. I thought Henderson seems like, you know, like an average shooting guard, like, you know, solid yeah. average. Norman Powell.
0: Okay. Which that, is again, that sounds about right.
1: So we had another Raptor because we had Corey Joseph close to being the average point guard and then Norman Powell is close to being the average shooting guard. Uh, hey, another two guards. Are you
0: telling me that the Raptors are going to have a lot of very average players?
1: You'll have to stay tuned for a few more minutes to find out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Tim Hardaway Jr., which is another one. Makes sense. He started coming on a little bit at the end of the year, but I think overall, yeah, average. And then that's, I think his contract is probably really good, too.
0: Ooh it's I mean he the, he just signed that 4 years 71 million. So um it, it felt a little high but you know I think he's not a bad player and I mean the Knicks let's just be honest it's probably the best money that they've spent on a free agent in a while even though right. it was maybe an overpay. So Yeah
1: but remember but for last year what they got right. out of him, average uh, production, he, they paid him $2.2 2 million, which is fantastic. Because sure, the average salary, we haven't finished uh, calculating that, but I'm going to call it up to But the average salary for a shooting guard has to be $7, $8, $9 million, right?
0: Well, uh, yeah, probably.
1: You know, so they're they paying him a fraction of that. So that's, that's a good value there. Um, and then Nick Stauskas actually comes in um, somewhere, somewhere in the area, as, as does KCP, interestingly enough, for shooting guards. Interesting. Yeah, so the Lakers will have a, will have their eye on that. Whether or not the KCP can just get out of a bad situation and, and play better.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, he he's going to have a little bit more space on the floor than he had in Detroit. So uh, hopefully, those shooting numbers start to go up. We shall see. This is this is his make or break year, and I
1: gotta tell you, the Lakers are, did some sneaky stuff. I mean, I mean, literally, they did some sneaky stuff, and then <laughs> um, they also snuck, was snuck in a couple of deals here that I think I'm really. I mean, you know,
0: th- they Brook Lopez, Brook Lopez was to me like the bigger deal. Like, like he's he's good.
1: Yeah, he's good. Contarius Kampilalapa was good. Like you know, Lonzo Ball is going to be good. Uh, they still have their Randalls and their um, Clarksons and their uh, Larry Nances. You know, they're, they're going to have a seven, eight-man rotation there. That's going to be good. Yeah, Better. Yeah, I, I agree. Exciting. Something. I don't know. And Lord knows Laker fans are desperate for it. So, um, Okay, are we ready for the small forwards? Yes. This is where it got a little bit weird to me, but uh, the, the closest to average small forward that Arturo was able to de- identify through the numbers was Damari
0: Carroll. As the average small forward, yeah. Which, which, to me, I guess, kind of makes a lot of sense, right? Like he—he's not this huge needle mover. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that seems—it seems right.
1: It kind of. Here's what's weird about though, because when you look and think about small forward, it's the stars of the game. It's LeBron, KD, uh, Melo. I know I'm missing at least one person who's a small forward.
0: No. Kawhi.
1: Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi. So it's like, but I think the small forward position might be front loaded. And I feel like once you get past those five or six or whatever we're talking about, the, 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 you know, the numbers drop um, to some degree. And so then you're left at. Um, actually, I'm kind of curious. If for points per 48, the, can you want to guess which position scores the least, the average?
0: Uh, small forward?
1: It yeah, it actually is a small forward. It's close. But 19.8 versus 20.9 for the power forward. With those two are are close, so yeah. The if you're an average player uh, at each position, yeah, the the small forward is going to be the the lowest scoring per 48, which I also find really interesting.
0: Because you've got so many high scoring, well, at least high scoring small forwards, we we're biased toward them, right? This this is pretty good about showing where our biases lie as far as players. Again, like Damari Carroll being average, I would never consider him just a trash player. Right. Like, right. And and in my head, he would be above average. And maybe this is where you look at the positional, how we are um, sort of biased toward which positions are more valuable. You know, it's a wing league. And so we look at like a a small forward who plays defense is maybe a little bit more valuable than like Oladipo, who's a two that sort of plays good defense, but doesn't bring much on offense, at least in, you know, in my head story right yeah so yeah I'm bummed about that because I mean
1: Demari Carroll at the end of his Atlanta run like I I would have argued he was the best player in that team pound for pound across the board defense and offense combined and And yeah he got hurt yeah and I don't know if he's ever really recovered I mean he was he played a lot of games and he played a lot of minutes in in Toronto but like I have no mental picture of him in my head right now of him doing anything while watching those games um he just was quiet and silent, and it's too bad. And you know what? I can see that because the way the offense was designed, the other two guys are getting so much of the usage. It's just not allowed it to go around for him. Uh, and, and when he did well, I mean, he got up close to 20 points a game at the end there with Atlanta because the ball was moving. So, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of too bad, but, you know, because he, he is probably better than average, I would say, when he, at his height when he's not hurt and he's playing the way he can.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's a bummer. The knee the knee injuries really kind of – yeah, it kind of sapped a lot out of him. And, you know, I guess we'll see how he does in, in Brooklyn. I mean, they could use some average players, to be honest.
1: Absolutely. And, by the way, Brooklyn's another one of those sneaky teams that, like, you know, it, it became a kind of a hot take right after Simmons. Like, oh, they're going to win more games. That, that pick isn't going to be as valuable to the um, Cavs as everyone thinks. Um, but when the when the does settle and you kind of look at it and you, you look at who they picked up and what they have like and if you know Jeremy Lincoln stay healthy and those guys stay healthy like yeah they can improve by 10 wins
0: yeah you know and 10 I, wins
1: gets them you know the 7th 8th pick probably
0: yeah absolutely so i'm mean, sorry
1: 10 more wins we'll gets them in. anyway well are you ready for the power forward position yes the most average power forward in the NBA last year with minimum fifteen hundred reg- uh, minutes is Marquise Morris.
0: Again, that it just
1: sounds right. Yeah, we need that like we need that um, bullseye sound effect.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's like dead on. Like sure. if, if you had me, if you just asked me to pick, he definitely would be one of the one of the handful of guys I would pick. Who else was around there?
1: Okay, so for the, for the power forward position here, um, let's see here. Uh, Nikola Mirotić. Interesting. There's not a lot of power forwards for some reason.
0: One of them, he, he must I'm have, surprised Mirotić is around average. I would have thought he was below average, but you know.
1: Yeah, he's not that close. His deviation is is you know down the list a little bit, but he was in the you know in the realm. Uh, and then a guy who was even farther away, but what, uh, but still in the in the conversation would be Jabari Parker. Interestingly enough.
0: Although did wow. Jabari
1: play? Wait, did he play 1,500 minutes last year?
0: Yeah, he okay. he he got hurt kind of late.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Which is, again, another reason why this the, the knee surgery is kind of a bummer, right? Because he won't be back until,
1: yeah. I'm assuming,
0: January.
1: Yeah, that's right. He played 51 games, 1,700 minutes. He just barely made it. Um, and, like, you know, his per 36 numbers, you, I don't know if you looked at them, but it was 21 points, you know, six and a half rebounds, three assists, um and he was shooting really well, at least from the from the two point land. Um and you know, his per game, he was scoring twenty a game. I remember now. Yeah, he he was uh he was doing well. So right, it's it's a bummer and a half. When is he
0: projected to get back? I, I would assume January, but I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't read anything. I, I know that he's you know he's doing some basketball stuff. Right. Maybe.
1: So that's interesting though that he's um that he ended up being average per forty eight, because uh, his numbers are pretty damn good. And usually the power forward position, I don't think, is that productive these days. But uh, and he wasn't that close to average. He was sort of at the end, just barely bubbled up. But either way, that's what that's what Arturo was saying. And that's what I'm going with. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I'll trust the numbers.
1: All right. So um, all right, and then we have center Jonas Valanciunas or Jonas Valanciunas. Um, again, that kind of hits the nail on the head when you
0: say. Yeah, although I again I would have been biased to say below average.
1: Yes. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Would I say that? Let me see here. Well, I you mean, know, his numbers per game, at least, you know, because he doesn't get that much. He gets twelve points, you know, nine and a half rebounds, and that's about it. Doesn't do anything else. He gets like you know less than a block a game. So um, I don't know. It seems about right to me.
0: Yeah, I mean again, I'm not I'm not shocked. I I just in my head <laughs> I look at him as below average as a center. But then again, yeah. Yeah. No, I think know. I think that makes sense.
1: Yeah. that that, that hit the hell nail on the head for me too. Uh, and I'm just kind of curious the the points per 48 from the center position um what is uh where is that? Uh oh, crap. Oh, here it is. From the center position is 1 2 3 4 5 it is uh 23.1. That's also kind of weird to me. I'm going to have to ask Arthur about some of these numbers because that seems high from the center position, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. It's You know what? So there's something something might be off with this, only because it's the second highest position. Hmm. Well, I'll have to go through it, but, I mean, yeah, the spreadsheet is very thorough. It's got all the information on there, so uh, it's just numbers and math. But, uh, I mean, right, who, who is scoring a lot from the center position unless – you know, no, he, he, unless he's going to try and count like Durant's minutes at center that they count. But I don't think so. Right. No, I don't think yeah, it works that way.
0: I don't think so. Yeah, that just doesn't sound right.
1: All right. Well, anyway, Jonas volunteers at the very least is, is, is the average uh, for me. So uh, we will have an interesting video coming up uh, hopefully tomorrow uh, on this and uh, we will, um, you know, see the reaction there. The, the only other center that popped up in our thing uh, that I have on my list here is Pau Gasol.
0: As average, yeah. Hmm. Which that's, I don't, again, that's that's interesting to me. I would have thought above, but
1: okay. Well, his numbers weren't gaudy by any stretch. Twelve yeah. points, kind of the same as young well,
0: Valanciunas. But how many minutes was he playing?
1: Yeah, twenty-five. Right. Yeah, and he okay. probably barely makes the cut on. Well, See, right. so yeah, he barely makes the cut on minutes. Okay. So that that is part of it for sure. Um, but uh, you know, twelve points. Um. Eight rebounds, but again, we should do this by per forty-eight. So either way, uh, interesting stuff. Uh, and that is it. That those are the most average players in the NBA.
0: Wow, and we, we've almost made it to our division previews. <laughs> Not, yeah, right. Run out of stuff to talk about.
1: How many? Uh, well, how many? How many wins do you think a, a team with Teague, Oladipo, Carroll, Morris, and Valanciunas wins?
0: That sounds like a forty to forty-two win team. Yeah, right.
1: Right, like kind of. <laughs> right. Yeah, a good, a good coach. They play, they play the right way? They can play over their heads a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's about 40, 40, yeah, somewhere between 40 and 42 wins. So, you know, that certainly is, uh, is the eye test. And by the way, I know that Arturo definitely uh, values win shares and all these different, all those kind of things when he's calculating all these numbers. And so uh, I have to imagine that was a big influence in how he's adjusting these things. It's like what is that 41-win team?
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's about what you, what you would have if, if you had those guys, somewhere between 40 and 42.
1: Yeah. Oh, actually, he did. He has a record, a winning uh, oh, a pr- prediction here, where it says forty-four point six wins, which okay. I think is a little bit on the uh, on the uh, positive side there. But it's pretty close. Yeah. Cool. Well, Dave, another great podcast.
0: Uh, anything that you want to shout out to us? Um, no, just make sure you subscribe to, to this podcast and rate and review it on iTunes and uh, subscribe to my podcast on the NBA with Dave Defore. I'm going to be. I did a great. Uh, pod with uh, CJ Miles last week, which yes. was a lot of fun. He was he was super candid and personable, and I mean he was he was awesome actually. Um, and then I'm going to be starting some of my division previews with some uh, local guys uh, starting next week, and then I guess we're going to start our division previews soon, right? We are.
1: We are, the kids are finally all in school starting tomorrow and uh, I can get back to my normal schedule of just cranking all this stuff out. So yeah, we will get on that ASAP and um, that'll, that'll probably keep us busy for a while.
0: Yeah, that's the hope. And then uh, and I'm gonna be doing those, uh, some of them from the road because I'm gonna start this huge road trip up to Canada and around. So uh, yeah, I'll, you know, make right. sure you check out, check out that Instagram for yeah. all those photos I'll be posting. <laughs>
1: it's tough when, you, when you're a spy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Your theory. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: Oh, yeah. We got to We got to at some point in the next before the season starts. We've got to do this conspiracy pod where we just talk about all these random conspiracies. I mean, Michael Jordan was definitely suspended for gambling, right?
1: Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Well, you know, it's it's a little bit tough because his father was murdered. And so that's just sort of. That threw a whole bunch of different stuff going on in the background, too. But you're right. And it never made much sense to me that his biggest reason for wanting to, to retire that first time was, you know, spend time with my family. And then he's out playing baseball, you know, a couple months later. So that was a little bit strange. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely some weird stuff there. But we have, we have to do that and also all the weird injury conspiracies uh, over the years, too. So, yeah, we'll get to that ASAP before the season starts for sure.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All
1: right, cool. Well, yeah. Another great one, and thanks for coming on, Dave, with me today. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave?
0: Yes, I am.